Welcome to The Schooled Podcast, a podcast about Christian schooling. We believe that Christian schools are a countercultural, revolutionary movement and a significant part of what God is doing in the world today. Join us as we explore the Christian schooling movement, its origins, its purpose, and its future. Welcome back to The Schooled Podcast. Episode 7. Wow, it's a beautiful morning here. Springtime is here. And we have, uh, we have some, some big things to talk about today, don't we? We do. So we had a great day yesterday. We went down to Sydney and uh, there was a presentation of uh, some data from a study that's just recently been released. And it was a partnership between uh, the Barna Group, World Vision, and also Alpha Australia. Yeah. And it was a study into the connected generation looking at millennials. Mm. And so we heard, um, heard from some amazing people, particularly David Kinnaman, who's the CEO of the Barna Group. And Mark Sayers, uh, who is um, ridiculously intelligent. A great cultural commentator. Yes, amazing. And so that was between the two of them and some others, it was both sobering in some ways, but inspiring yeah. and, and super helpful. And so today we want to, uh, to look just at one aspect, and we'll probably come back to this because there's, there's so much in this, but, but one key aspect that we felt was, was really important in understanding young people. And, uh, and one of the comments made yesterday is that this is a generation that is often talked about but rarely listened to. And so for us to be able to effectively serve and minister young people in the young people in our schools and their families, it's so important for us to to understand them, to be able to listen to them, yes. isn't it? Yeah, and, and not just to be uh, building our schools and our programs based on our assumptions about the emerging generation, yeah. but actually listen to them. So this study interviewed over 15,000 millennials mm. from around the world, across cultures, across languages. Yeah. And uh, something that I thought was quite really interesting, actually, was they said an 18-year-old in a millennial in Australia, mm. so say an 18-year-old, a 20-year-old in Australia, actually has much more in common with an 18 or 20-year-old on the other side of the world, Botswana, Romania, America. Mm. Uh, they are have a lot more in common than that 18 or 20-year-old has with a 35, 40-year-old in Australia in their own country. So they're more aligned culturally with someone mm. on the other side of the world at the same age That's. than they are with our generation, which really shows how much the world has changed. Absolutely. And it's unprecedented. And for us as Christian educators, building our schools and uh, reaching our communities, we have to be, it's similar, like what we spoke about in one of our earlier podcasts, you know, the Bible talks about the sons of Issachar who understood the times in which they lived and yes. knew what Israel should do. We need to understand the times in which we live. They're shifting times. Yes. And to be able to know what to do mm. as Christian school leaders. That's right. We can, um, we can spend a lot of time joining in with media in blaming young people or saying they're spending all their money on, on avocado on toast or, or you know, just addicted to social media. But that actually isn't going to help them. No. And so by actually listening to them and understanding what are their real needs, what are the problems they're actually facing, that positions us to be able to influence them in the, the best possible way. And make a difference. Make a real difference in their world and to provide them with real answers in that. And so there was one key slide yesterday that, that stood out to us and it was the, the five top pressures uh, facing millennials and Gen Z. And so there are five key areas that, uh, that I guess we want to look at today, but then say, well, then what, 
what is our response to this? In light of understanding this, what are some key things that we as as school educators, as Christians can actually do to help our young people navigate this? That's right, because we, we know that uh, Jesus is the answer. Yeah. He's, he's the answer to everything. But um, sometimes we've got to understand the question mm. that people are asking before we come running in with the answer. That's right. Yeah, we can't just be running around just saying that yeah. without actually thinking strategically of how this actually will be implemented, say, in a K-12 school, mm. understanding that uh, for our kindergarten students, they may not articulate this for many years, but this is the world that they are walking into. Yeah. So top pressures. So five top pressures we want to talk about today. Uh, Number one, top pressure facing Mm. millennials and Gen Z, the children and young people in our schools, according to millennials and this study, top pressure is searching for identity and asking that question, who am I? And more than that, who am I really? I I know what people say I am. I know what I tell people I am on my feed, but who am I really? Mm. And that is a a massive problem for our young people, particularly in those, you know, preteen, teenage years of trying to find yourself and work out who you are. Uh, in our current landscape, it is so difficult with so many different stories and ideas being presented to them. They're, they're murky waters to wade through. Yeah. And I think our modern world uh, and, and secularism as an ideology really preaches this message of uh, you can be anything you want to be. You can be anyone you want to be. And young people are growing up like never before with so much choice and so many directions and pathways and in front of them. And you you can be whatever you want to be. Then this question emerges, well, but who am I really? Yes, true. And, and, and so many of them now see uh, fame or you know prominence in that sense that that creates healthy identity, and uh, that create that sort of it's it's the the culture now of you become famous based on what you do yeah and this um, and what you contribute that's right and this secular narrative really has not been helpful no it hasn't and it's failed in a lot of ways so that that our world teaches a message that your identity is based on what you project mm. uh, what you contribute what you do. Um, how you dress and we know that uh, that that's an empty pursuit yes because if it worked then uh, you know Hollywood would be the happiest people in the world they would and that's I think one of those things as we've as we, we see stories of people who have everything yet are so deeply unhappy and has started to show that this secular narrative as Mark Sayer said yesterday is a bit like the emperor with no clothes yeah, everyone's scared to say it's not working. Yes. But it's not working. That, it's exactly right. And um, we can all see this and it's like everyone's still trying to find that silver bullet that's going to, you know, there's going to be something. It'll be the, the next thing that's going to make life easy. Yeah. But it hasn't worked. And social media can be blamed for mm. all these sorts of things. But actually, social media just amplifies yeah. what's already in the human heart, the human condition. Yeah. And so with, I think in that, actually training our young people how to use social media well. Because it will just amplify yeah. that and it doesn't help. You see, I think secularism has created an identity crisis in our children because it sells this narrative that identity is based on what you contribute mm. and what you do. And that is so very different to a biblical understanding of uh, the value and identity of what it means to be human. Yes, totally. And and so um, 
I think, as we were saying before, we can we can blame or we can work out. Well, what do we do in this? If this is if this is the reality, we can't just tell kids just to to get off social media. We can teach them some ways, but that it's it's not a simple solution, is it? No. So uh, so I guess the the question is, how can Christian schools actually help young people answer that question? Who am I really? What can we do about this? I think part of the answer comes in the culture that you create. Yes. You see, we need to find a way for our young people to grow up in an environment where they learn by experience that ultimately their value comes from the fact that they are uniquely and wonderfully made, Mm. made in the image of God, and that this predates and is a precursor to anything they ever achieve, anything Mm. they ever do uh, in in a world of, you know, achieving and doing. Uh, If you never achieved anything, if you never contributed anything to society, you would still have value mm. because God says you do. You're made in Him, His image, His image, and you are a unique expression of yes. the image of God on the planet today. And we see that in you. Mm. Yeah, and that I think that's one of those key things that we have to we have to teach from from the start. Yeah, from well, from before school, ideally, but but in our school context, from you know whether it's preschool or kindergarten, and then continue to reaffirm that message all the way through high school yeah and if we are just starting that conversation in high school in senior school then uh it's too late it's too late really and it's not it's not totally too late but if you want to reinforce that message that you are loved unconditionally then then that actually has to start from from a young age yeah uh so that is a key one but that also has to be followed through more than just in a talk in say some sort of christian studies or faith for life lesson but that has to be followed up in in discipline and in everyday interactions and you know how we greet our class and how we remember them and it's more than just a a lesson but it's a way of life yeah yeah it's 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 a it's an undergirding value in Mm. our schools and we have to be unapologetic Mm. and intentional about it so that was so that's but isn't that amazing? That's the number one mm. challenge being faced by young people today: the search for identity. That is uh, the second, fascinating. Yeah, yeah, the second one is fighting anxiety. Mm. Which, when I heard that, I thought, yeah, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Our society has this ambient, mm. constant, anxious tone going, yeah. doesn't it? Doesn't matter where you are, where yeah. you, where you go, people are worried, in a hurry frantic, burning the candle at both ends. That, that's right, and it's like everyone's busier than ever before. And people are pushing harder. And you will have, I mean, we've given language now to our young people where they will say, you know, I have anxiety or, you know, I'm feeling anxious. And sometimes there is a healthy level of anxiety, year mm. 12 students, you know, who haven't done an assignment that, you know, up until the day before. And, you know, healthy level of anxiety to get the thing done. But, but to the point now where they, a lot of young people are saying, I feel anxious. And so often we can easily say, well, you're not. But that's unhelpful because the fact is they're actually articulating that they are feeling this mm. and we're feeling it too. Yeah, uh, It's often, I think, when we, we shut them down because we go, well, I'm feeling it, you're feeling it, but I don't know what to say to you. You know, yeah. I don't have a clear answer for you because we're all feeling it. Yeah, totally. And it was interesting in the study that the, the question that was associated with the anxiety, mm. fighting anxiety, uh, the question that's associated is, how should I live my life? Yeah, well. And when you look at the world that, our young people have grown up in, they've been born into, and this is their only experience. They're living in a world where there's these juxtapositions and tensions. Mm. So never before have we been so seen. Yes. They're, they're the most photographed generation mm. and posted all over the internet by their parents. 
generation they're seen but not necessarily known so mm. the tension there uh they are globally connected yeah. so there's riots happening in hong kong and they know about it and according to this study they're concerned about it mm. and actually it's taking up bandwidth yes uh, emotionally for them that's happening on the other side of the world the icebergs breaking away from the ice shelf in antarctica they're worried about that yeah. and they're very globally connected mm. but then the tension is that locally they're socially isolated totally it's globally connected disconnected locally though and, and i think that's one of those really important things for us even just in a day-to-day sense understanding that they will be coming in feeling things mm. and it's it's like a uh, they're, they're sort of feeling it digitally, even though they haven't physically experienced it. And, yeah. uh, and that is important for us not to shut down, but to understand. Yes. And, uh, and that, not to dismiss. Yeah, that's it. Because we can easily just go, well, that's over in, you know, Hong Kong or in Antarctica or, or wherever. But again, no, no, this is actually a real world concern for you. Yeah. And, and so I think with that, our, our young people now, they're, they're taught and they're shown this way of, of self-promoting. Yeah. And putting themselves out there because they are seen, but they're terrified of being truly exposed. Yeah. And you see, uh, many young people have Instagram accounts, and they'll have their public account, but then they'll have a burner account. And uh, and yeah. for a while, we were thinking that the burner account was more where you'd sort of put, you know, the dodgy things you didn't want your parents to see. Uh, but now we're realizing that for many young people, it's actually where they can be their truest self and yeah. only show a couple of people and ask their deepest questions. That's right. Yeah. And. Yeah. And maybe do things that maybe are a bit goofy or silly as opposed to just teenage angst, which sometimes it is too. But the things they go, well, this is where I can be my true self, but I'm not going to show the world that. Like I'm yeah. terrified of my 2,000 followers seeing that, but I'll show my you know closest friends. Yeah. So yet it's another tension mm. that is adding to this ambient anxiety yes. that they've lived their whole life with. Because they have to keep up this identity yeah. and this whole persona they've created with the constant fear mm. of being publicly shamed and exposed yeah. on a on a scale that no 12 or 13 year old uh, has ever had to deal with no way. In, in previous generations that's right in so, previous generations if you were sort of you know shamed it might be in front of your classmates but not in front of thousands of people online exactly right and another tension that uh, that i think this generation lives with is that we have exponential uh, increase in our knowledge yes it's just off the scale we are learning so much and there's so much knowledge available and so yeah so much access now yeah yes but it hasn't actually provided any more security no. because we have increased uncertainty so another tension that we like i know so much yet now that i know so much i'm so much more uncertain yes and so what no wonder our millennials and gen z have unprecedented levels of anxiety mm. to deal with and are asking this question in all of this how should i live my life mm. and that's that's the big question yeah. so for us um as christians you know mark sayers said mm. yesterday you know wouldn't it what's the what's the answer to this you know wouldn't it be amazing if there was an organic community of people that you know that it, that it operated locally that forced people to connect and meet together weekly or in homes different kind of people who you know you wouldn't normally associate with yeah, it might rub you the wrong way rub you yeah. the wrong, wrong way but you come together for a, a common common cause and for the good and the betterment of everybody else mm. wouldn't it be amazing if there was a community and a group that existed in our society like that it'd be nice wouldn't it it would <laughs> i'd call it the christian church yeah i think that sounds like a good name for it 
it, it is funny because like we go, we know that this is good, and and as we become more uh, connected digitally, it's easier to to unfollow or unfriend someone. Yeah. But when you're thrown in community with people, you're forced. Well, it's a really sneaky way of making you more like Jesus. Yeah. Is it you know that that you kind of you have your that that sort of sharp edges sanded off a bit yeah so you actually are shaped and molded into into the way of jesus and uh, and we know that that's actually the best thing and that's and that's a big part of the answer mm. to that question of how should i live my life mm. and i wonder if um we could help our children and young people to become engaged in local churches mm. youth groups and uh but um but more broadly community yeah. and real life connection and, and service, how much that uh, would address the anxiety that yeah. a lot of them are feeling. That's right. I, th- I think the church and Christianity has a lot to contribute in this mm. space. I think uh, our Christian tradition has things like, you know, uh, meditating on the mm. scriptures, uh, a contemplative approach yeah. to life uh, that really, um, Really is countercultural. It, it really um, is, but for this time, I think. Yeah, and in in this, uh, yeah, in, in this time for us actually to work out how we slow down. Yeah, and uh, and, and Pete Scazzaro talks heaps about this, about slowing down yeah. and understanding your limits. And you hear it, and you go, "That does sound so countercultural." Yeah, uh, but so good and so compelling. Yet it's the Bible. That's exactly so, right. Yeah. yeah, because that's we see in Genesis, mm. God there were six days of creation and then on the seventh God rested. Yes. And then all through the Bible you see there's there's a weekly rhythm, there's mm. a daily rhythm, yes. there's a yearly rhythm. And it's a big part of what it means to be human. Yeah, we we are designed for healthy rhythm. Yeah. And uh and I mean C.S. Lewis's spiritual director said uh, hurry is the death of prayer. Yeah, well. And we know when we when you're hurried and when you're racing along, what what's one of the first things that goes? Oh, it's like I haven't had hadn't haven't had time to pray or to, you know, to have my quiet time. And uh and early on when I was at, when I started teaching, very quickly learned that uh how to have really unhealthy rhythms that you just push hard all term and you finish the term, you get sick the first week of the holidays, you yep. recover the second week. And start again. Yeah, get right back in. And it's and then you just do it all over again and you go, this is a really unhealthy rhythm, but that's just the way people did it. Mm. And uh, and so for us, it's it's um, we have this incredible opportunity to live in this way, but then to model that for our, for our young people, not yes. just to tell them what to do, yeah. but to say, hey, I'm like, it's there's a humility in that. It's like, I'm learning in this, in this cultural age, how to slow down yes. and how to live in healthy rhythms, and uh, and I'm going to be honest with you about that too. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm trying that as well because they they're not instantly going to pick it up and go, oh wow, you know, let yeah. me do exactly what you're doing. Yeah. But as they see the fruit of that, then uh, that becomes real. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And and I think that can provide hope. Yes. 100%. Which is which is a a big part of uh, what what the gospel is. Mm. So millennials, Gen Z. Um, searching for identity, dealing with anxiety, yeah. are the third biggest challenge, according to millennials, mm. that they are facing and that young people face today is experiencing loneliness. Yeah. Uh, and asking the big question, am I loved? And isn't it amazing that in a world of connectivity yeah. and um, social connection uh, online, 
that the third biggest challenge facing young people is that they are feeling lonely on an unprecedented level. Yeah, it's like it's it's amazing because we are so connected and they're, they're sort of feeling more connected or, or more alike to someone on the other side of the world. Yet there is a this incredible decline in like it's the genuine connectivity. Mm. So yes, I can talk to someone on the other side of the world, but but does anyone really know who I am? Yeah. And social media has promised the world, you know. And once we, you know, with the internet, with the, the birth of the internet, we'll all be connected. And once everyone is connected globally, you know, no borders, it'll be beautiful and harmonious. Yeah, and it hasn't and happened. It's epically yeah. failed. It's it's sort of brought out the worst in people. And yeah. And so so we know that that's not true. And there's in this study, the Barna study, they mentioned that forty percent of school leavers have weak social connectivity. That after thirteen years of schooling, yeah, that. They have a weak social connection, not not a solid community. Yeah. So of the eight to ten indicators used mm. in that study to, for social connectivity, and so you might have seven or eight of them if you're a strong connector. Forty percent of our millennials, so people who've just left school, would say would say that they've got between zero and two of those factors in their life, which means um, they're not good connectors. That's exactly right. So the question becomes for us as Christian schools. How can we help? How can we equip our children and our young people to uh, deal with experiencing loneliness? Mm. How can we help them answer the question, am I loved? And we, we know that the big answer to that is yes. Yes. Uh, but how do we help that become their lived experience, not just a dot point in a faith or Christian studies mm. lesson that God yeah. loves you? That's right. Or just, you know, more bumper stickers. Yeah. Jesus loves you or posters around the school. Uh, it has to be more than just words, and so I, I guess the, um, I mean, the key things that we need young people to genuinely like, they need a genuine experience of God's love. They do, and and I think that needs to come through healthy community and through healthy interactions with people who aren't just saying it, but also they are more skeptical than ever before. Yeah, and so they know that we are paid to do this. Yeah. And similarly in church, if you your youth pastor or the, the children's pastor, they they might be paid to do this. It's their job. Yeah. So it's in the it's in the above and beyond. It's mm. in the when I don't have to stop and talk in the yes. corridor, but I do. Yeah. It's when I don't have to connect in a certain way or I don't have to do a particular thing, but I do. I mm. show that I care. We I think we show that we show our children, our young people that they are cared for and they are mm. loved. But as well as showing them that they're loved, I think we need to teach them and equip them how to deal with those questions of loneliness, um, that they can, that there is a, and the Holy Spirit's called the comforter. Yes. uh, And that we actually introduce them to God in a way that, you know, you will experience loneliness, Mm. but there is one that you can take your loneliness to, Mm. that you don't have to carry that on your own. And uh, that, uh, that if we can actually introduce them to a relationship with, God in such a way that um, they can go to Him, mm. then uh, we really do help them be equipped yep. to navigate this challenge yeah. through life beyond when they're in our school. That's true. So, yeah. so it's a, it's equipping them for the future mm. and, and modeling this. You know, it says uh, Jesus said they will know you by your love for one another, and and for us, like it's it's that modeling of that giving. Even showing, like demonstrating healthy community, which is an amazing opportunity for, for each other when we hit times of, of loneliness or sadness or, or grief or, or whatever it might be, 
that uh, we are demonstrating genuine love for like as staff to families and and creating that healthy community and it's um i mean that's it's the best thing for us as individuals yeah um and so it benefit like the, the funny thing is it actually benefits us in that sense too. It benefits our whole community. And in turn, our young people go, oh, this is actually real, not just the thing you're paid to do. You actually are modeling that this is actually you know, the healthiest, best way to live. Yeah, absolutely. So so we've got uh, dealing with identity. Mm. Who am I? Yep. We've got dealing with anxiety. Mm. Uh, what, how should I live my life? And we've got dealing with loneliness. Mm. Uh, am I really loved? Three top areas yes. that our uh, young people are dealing with and facing and we have this incredible challenge mm. and responsibility i think as christian schools to help equip them to yes. to face that it's not wrong that they're facing it no. it's the reality of the world that we live in but we know that in jesus um there are answers to mm. these things yeah now, and it's, a, and it's yeah. our responsibility yeah. to lead them through this it is to and show them the way. That is, and that's that's what we've signed up for. Mm. That's yeah. and that's a big part of why Christian schools mm. exactly exist. Yeah, why we exist. So there are, there are more um, in this in this study, and but I think for today we might leave it there, and we can we'll we look there. forward to our next episode where yep. we can unpack a few more of these challenges and uh, talk about what we can do mm. to um, bring the light and hope of Christ into these places for our young people. Excellent. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.